0: This week, I have been thinking a lot about pregnancy, about the fear that comes with getting pregnant, especially when it's unplanned, about the different paths that people take to becoming a parent, about the choices they have and the choices they don't have. Of course, in the U.S. right now, we are talking a lot about how those choices could change in the very near future. But today, we wanted to visit a place where, for various reasons, women have very few choices— and where having a baby can mean risking your life. Last year, reporter Danielle Paquette visited a state hospital in Kono, Sierra Leone. She had been following a teenager named Susan Lebby over the course of her pregnancy. And Susan had just given birth to her son,
1: Evan. He's
0: fired like his mama. She's
1: wow, he's very calm. Very calm. Very calm, baby.
2: <laughs> She's 17, and she grew up fearing pregnancy because she lost her own mother when her mother was giving birth to her. Her mother bled out, it was terrible, and she just sort of never really wanted to get pregnant.
0: Susan was terrified of pregnancy and birth, in part because Sierra Leone consistently ranks as one of the deadliest places on earth to have a baby. The numbers
2: alone just shocked me. The way researchers measure the maternal mortality rate is the number of women who die as a result of pregnancy or childbirth per 100,000 births. In Europe, it's eight. In Sierra Leone, it's 1,120.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: Wow. And I, I was talking to some doctors in the country who led me to an even more alarming statistic, which is that one in twenty women in Sierra Leone will die as a result of pregnancy or childbirth over the course of their lifetime. My mom was pregnant with me, and then the time for labor. She gave birth at home. And immediately, after giving birth to me, she started bleeding. From there, she passed to me. I'm so sorry. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I wanted to know so much more. How in, in 2021, 2022, is this still happening?
0: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, May 6th. Today, we talk about women's reproductive healthcare in Sierra Leone, the risks that women face during pregnancy, and how survival is often just a matter of luck.
2: In Sierra Leone, women don't have a lot of options when it comes to having a baby. Susan Levy either had to have this baby she never planned to have, and she was frankly terrified to have, or she could try to have an illegal abortion. Women in Sierra Leone sometimes turn to black market pills without medical supervision, or they will look for some kind of concoction made by a traditional healer. Health officials told me that unsafe abortions in Sierra Leone account for 3 to 4% of maternal deaths. And they caution that that estimate is conservative because it's hard to track how many women are having these illegal procedures.
0: So tell me a little bit about why Susan's situation here was so precarious and why the maternal mortality rate in Sierra Leone is so high.
2: The maternal mortality rate in Sierra Leone is so high, doctors say, because a large share of women won't go to a medical center to give birth. And there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, The country endured 11 years of civil war, which totally obliterated its hospitals, medical centers. Then right after that, we had the 2014-2016 Ebola epidemic, which scared people away from hospitals. So you've got a norm where, okay, I feel good. My mom has has done this. My grandmother has done this. I'm going to stay home and I'm going to give birth. Mm. And in those scenarios, it can be fine, or you could have a complication. And when you have a complication, it's very important to have a doctor or nurse, someone with the right tools around to address that. And that's why you see so many deaths. There are women who either don't make it to the hospital in time or don't try to go at all. And then there are other cases where they do go to the hospital, but there's a shortage of Medicine, equipment, there's a giant shortage of healthcare workers. So maybe you get in at the moment where someone's just simply not on the clock. So, so much has to do with luck. Luck that you make it to the hospital. Luck that the hospital has a nurse on duty. Luck that the hospital has the kind of drugs you need to save your life. Luck that the blood bank has reserves.
0: Danielle says that the rate of maternal mortality in Sierra Leone has been getting better over the years. But the number of women who die from pregnancy or childbirth is one in 20, and it's still really high, something that Susan has experienced firsthand.
2: So Susan was born in a town that during the Civil War, the rebels had claimed. Rebels vying to take over Sierra Leone, essentially. There was an uprising. It was a terrible, bloody civil war. And during that time, the hospital in Kono had been destroyed, her mother decided to stay home and give birth to her. She died in childbirth. Her father, Susan, never met.
1: Her parents
0: were
1: living together. Her dad rented the place. By the time her mom went into
0: labor and then died, he just slept.
2: Susan landed at her grandmother's house. Uh, Her grandmother raised her until she was about 10, and then her grandmother died of old age. She ended up staying with a woman who sold soap in her neighborhood, and then that woman had to move away to a different country, to Guinea, and Susan had found herself once again without housing. That is how she met a man in his 60s who offered to provide shelter, pay for her school, if she would be his girlfriend, essentially. Hmm. Susan found it to be a horrible deal, but she believed she couldn't be pregnant. She could not get pregnant. She'd had a health scare when she was 16 or so, a cyst burst on one of her ovaries. And a nurse, she said, just sort of offhandedly said to her, I'm so sorry, I don't think you'll ever be able to get pregnant. She moved in with him, seeing no other option. She becomes pregnant, and he shortly after dies of hypertension. It was just this series of... Awful events that landed Susan in the maternity ward. Susan was afraid to go to the hospital naturally. I don't have anything, and my people also don't have anything. I have struggled. I don't want my child to struggle, and I want them to learn. I can't get And a lot of people um, in her community had had experiences where they go in, they're supposed to receive this free health care, but whoever is working that day decides to charge them anyway, an informal fee. So Susan's 17. She doesn't have any money. She's pregnant. She's not sure what to do. But she met a, a midwife in her community quite naturally named Aminata, who would just show up and say, we're going, we are going to the hospital. Come on, come with me. And in fact, here's some cab bunny. With our relationship, she's sort of a mother to me now. Because all the things she does for me, it's like a mother. I go through hard times, and she helps me. And in that way, Susan got so lucky. Because in situations like this, when you're a broke teen and you're pregnant, attention is the currency of survival.
0: Doctors told Susan that she needed a C section, that her hips were too narrow to give birth naturally. It was something that she only knew because she was going to her doctor's appointments, and she was going at the insistence and support of Aminata.
2: Aminata had advised Susan to check in to the hospital early. She said this because they weren't sure of her exact due date. Uh, the hospital's ultrasound machine had been broken. She was scared up until the last second because in Sierra Leone, doctors often ask women to find uh, a couple pints of blood.
0: What do you mean by find a couple pints of blood?
2: There's a lot of stigma around hospitals and even doctors. After the Ebola epidemic, which was the deadliest on record, a lot of people would go into a medical clinic and never come out. So very hard for Susan. None of her friends or family could or would donate Doctors ask women in Sierra Leone to find pints of blood during their third trimester. And by that, I mean go out and ask friends and family members if they'll come in and donate. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have that blood because doctors told me over and over again, you could start bleeding during labor or during a Mm C-section. And there's no guarantee that the hospital will have enough blood reserves to replace those fluids, and a healthy woman can bleed and go into shock within hours and die.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that shortage of healthcare workers and why that is a particular problem in Sierra Leone? So the
2: Civil War destroyed hospitals, medical clinics. I saw a study that said something like 75 percent of those buildings were destroyed. And then... Ebola killed 7% of the country's healthcare workers, by some estimations. And since then, the country has been trying to rebuild. There is one medical school in Freetown, and a lot of graduates seek jobs abroad because they say the pay is often higher.
0: After the break, Danielle tells me about the efforts to make it safer to have a baby in Sierra Leone and how funding for those efforts is at risk because of COVID. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. So,
0: what are people trying to do to prevent some of these maternal deaths?
2: So, people are working all of the time to prevent these maternal deaths. The government, has announced that they are stepping up, they're paying more attention to this, and they're dealing with budget shortfalls, especially at times like the coronavirus pandemic. They've been making a lot of progress up through 2019, really cutting down on, on these really grim figures. More and more women were getting into healthcare systems. More women were surviving. Then the pandemic hit and Aid and government spending that had been directed to saving more pregnant women's lives was now going to fighting the coronavirus.
0: So I imagine a lot of these deaths must be preventable, right?
2: Yes. Nurse midwives in Sierra Leone tell me practically every death is preventable. And that is just a giant part of this tragedy. So there are these efforts, grassroots efforts on the ground, led by women who grew up in the hardest hit areas, going out into the communities, talking to women and saying, hey, I grew up here too, come into the hospital. I know we haven't always done it this way because of all of these factors, the civil war, the, uh, the Ebola issue. But I promise you, come in, we're ready for you. It's always better to get yourself to some kind of healthcare clinic when you're going into labor. And these efforts have produced astonishing results, the hospital I'd gone into in Kono, they had tracked fewer maternal deaths every year since enacting a program like this in 2018.
0: So Danielle, tell me more about how these programs are funded.
2: So aside from these outreach campaigns, another giant factor in driving down maternal deaths in Sierra Leone was the government's decision in 2010 to make healthcare checkups certain medicines and delivery costs free and you see this just this line just plummets death just plummets it's this amazing thing the government celebrates and says you know this problem is getting better every day but now we are learning because of the pandemic the free healthcare program as it's called is at risk the biggest donor is the U.K. government, and their foreign aid budget is tied to economic performance, which really took a hit during the pandemic. Mm. So while I was reporting the story, the minister of health in Sierra Leone told me he'd been notified by the U.K. government saying, we can't foot the bill for this anymore. Our budget just can't handle it. Oh, my gosh. I reached out to the U.K. government about that, and they confirmed that the, the spending for this particular program was set to end in September 2022. They said they wanted to help Sierra Leone in other ways, help with maternal Mm -hmm. mortality in other ways. But for this particular program, it was one of those explanations, like we never meant to stay forever. The numbers have gotten better over time. And now is the moment we have to pull back
0: from that. What, What happens when the money dries up?
2: When the money dries up, and it has been gradually already drying up, hospitals run out of medicine that they cannot immediately replace, the kind of drugs that stop hemorrhaging, for example. Hospitals and medical clinics can't pay for blood drives, exacerbating the blood shortage and making it more likely to be in the situation where you're there, you did everything right, you're at the hospital, you're ready to deliver this baby in a safe environment. But now you're bleeding and there is no extra blood for miles around and a life is lost because of something like that. So the doctors, the researchers, the government officials all focused on maternal mortality have expressed alarm at this, saying the coronavirus has reshuffled priorities in a way that is taking essential funding away from the effort to save pregnant women's lives. And I think Susan's journey highlights how we often forget that there's these emergencies still going on. Uh, They have been for years. The issue of maternal mortality in Sierra Leone and other countries is not going away. And if you take your, your foot off the gas, progress backslides. Things get worse.
0: So Susan had her baby in November. Have you kept up with her since then? And how is she doing?
2: I have kept in touch with Susan. She's doing well. Evan, her baby boy, is healthy. She says happy. She has described him as wild, which is exactly what I think baby boy should be described as. Uh, She knows that the road ahead of her is not easy. But she tells me she's determined to create a happy life for both of them. She sent me this recording on WhatsApp. Even though I'm sad, but when Ivan looks at me, he smiles. I also smile. So that makes me happy. I'm so glad. Even though things are not easy, Ivan makes me laugh every day. He makes me smile. It makes me to
1: forget about those things that passed away only to focus on him.
0: Danielle Paquette is the West Africa Bureau Chief for The Post. This story was produced by Lexi Diao and edited by Ariel Plotnick. It was mixed by Sam Baer. Special thanks to Jen Amour, Alexa Ard, and Jesse Messner-Hage. To see photos and videos of Susan and her son Evan, find a link to Danielle's story online at postreports.com. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Our executive producer is Maggie Penman. Our supervising senior producer is Rena Flores. Ted Muldoon is our senior producer. Our editor is Alexis Diao. Jordan Marie Smith, Ariel Plotnick, and Renny Svernovsky are producers. Sabi Robinson and Emma Talkoff are assistant producers. Sean Carter is our engineer. The Post Director of Audio is Renita Jablonski. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post.
1: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses,